Yate C. Pelletier Yenishe, Maidishki Zinishli, Bilagana Bashashin, Keelan Chitney Dashache, Bilagana Dashanole. Today on Resball, we are looking at the top NCAA basketball returners for the draft. I love looking at returners and really always try to pump up the returning NCAA guys, but this might be the year where I am going to question, are there a lot of first rounders here? Are there any first rounders in this? Well, we'll take a look today. Let's get started. So on today's episode, I'm going to list off the top 25 names that I think are the top returning NCAA men's basketball players who are draft eligible that should be drafted or in draft consideration. This is how it's going to work. First, I'm going to list off the top 13 that are consensus on just about everybody's big board. They appear almost everywhere that you would look, so I don't think anybody would have any dispute with that. And then the final 12 are a mixture of my own interesting players I'd like to highlight that I think should get drafted, at least in the second round, and other ones from different other sources like uh, No Ceilings Crew, the guys there, Rafael Barlow, Boxing One, Coach Spins, Adam Smithella, Sam Vecini, as well as the other DBB staff and, and people I work with like Jack Kelly, Laz, uh, Scott there over Woodward Pistons to Kool-Aid, Sean Murphy, people that I've heard from, hey, you should check this name out. And then I'm like, yeah, I could see that for sure. So it'll be 25 names, 13 that are pretty consensus, and then 12 that are a mixture of my own and other ones I've found interesting from different sources all over the internets. And yes, I know the subtitle does question if there is any first rounder amongst these NCAA returners. It has nothing to do with the talent level of these players. There are a lot of talented players within this that should be in first round consideration. But this is more questioning draft philosophy. And especially with this class of a lot of talented freshmen. And once you get outside the lottery, maybe another top 20-ish, things start to get funky in terms of like oh where direction do i go in and also i was looking at recent drafts and there were two drafts uh two teams excuse me in this past draft that you know you would think they want a returner an ncaa returner a seasoned vet somebody who's not a freshman somebody who's not 18 to be like okay here are the clear skills they can supplement our already superstars. We don't want anybody raw. You would think they did that, but there are these two teams that didn't. So it's started me to question of like, okay, maybe the returners aren't really going to be that coveted this year, even if they're talented. So that'll be a question we look at and contemplate more at the end. This list is going to be a little bit more rapid fire. I'm just going to give a super quick breakdown of each player that I list. So that way I can keep this thing around 30 minutes and we're not sitting here for like two hours while you try and give the whole scouting profile. I want to at least give an introduction to these 25 players who we should be looking at in this NCAA draft class and that I think 
can be really good role players at the very least. And perhaps there is some superstar potential here at the top. So let's look there first. The names at the top of this list for just about every big board that's out there is Terquavion Smith, the guard out of NC State, and Creighton forward Arthur Kaluma. Terquavion Smith is listed at six foot four, one 165 pounds by NC State. Kaluma is listed at six foot seven, 225 pounds at Creighton. Uh, Arthur Kaluma is a versatile forward. Terquavion Smith is a microwave. Last season at NC State, Terquavion Smith put up 263 pointers. That's 260. That is 8.1 per game. Shot them at 36.9%. So this is a legit shooter for sure. He has a 56.9% three-point attempt rate, so over half of his shots come from three. Also has a fantastic handle and is able to heat up just about anywhere. He went to the draft combine scrimmages, and the word was he really showed out there, and just about everybody was surprised that Tequavion Smith returned to school because he had such a fantastic performance there. Some people are going to say Bones Highland. I don't really see it, if I am being honest. I think Tequavion is smaller than Bones, for one. The free throw percentage is concerning to 69.8% last year from the free throw line. And oh, by the way, his overall field goal percentage for Tequavion Smith was 39.8%. So incredibly inefficient, not much of a passer either. 67 assists to 54 turnovers if he's not going to pass and he's not going to defend very well at 165, really hard. He also struggled as a finisher. That's another knock on Tequavion Smith. Arthur Kaluma, on the other hand, is, again, versatile forward, able to guard multiple positions at 6'7", 225, can be a power forward, athletic enough to be small forward and guard small forwards, it would seem, and also pretty good rebounder, pulled in 166 rebounds this past year, was 97 of 177 from two-point range, which is 54.8%, so really efficient within the two-point arc. Can he shoot, though? That's number one concern. He took 102 three-pointer attempts this past season, but shot 26.5%, only hit 27 of those three-pointers. And then from the free throw line, 67.1%, not great. Also not great was assist-to-turnover ratio, 40 assists to 79 turnovers. Is this somebody that can be trusted with the ball in their hands? I don't know. Maybe this is more of a role player. I've heard the name pass. Pascal Siakam be thrown out there with Kaluma as like a high end, but what's the low end on that? I have no idea. And for Terquavion Smith, most recently on the draft deck on No Ceilings, they talked about um, you know, IPO, like what's their stock look like? I believe it was Corey Tullabo's like there's a world where if Terquavion continues to shoot like he's shooting right now, which is, let me take a look at that. It's 43.8%. It's just two games, but again, he's taking eight threes per game if that kept up across an entire season. Oh, and he's shooting 72.7% from two-point range. That's obviously not going to continue, but if he's like 50, 40, 70, then maybe. I personally don't see with a player that small, but these are two players that have a lot of versatility. And Kaluma, you, again, you may be like, I don't know, the combination of stats doesn't seem fantastic. Over the summer, he did play for the Uganda national team in Afrobasket for FIBA. And in the first game against Cape Verde, he shot, or he, excuse me, scored 18 points, five rebounds. 
two assists, and then against Nigeria, Kalum had 27.6 rebounds, four assists, really did look more like a point forward and able to take control of that team when the team is just him. The other NBA player that was on that team is Ishmael Wainwright. Played for the Suns last year. I'm uncertain where he is right now. But it really did look like Kaluma's team. He got to the free throw line eight times in that first game and then six times in the second game and only missed two free throws out of that bunch. Still struggled a little bit from three, but looked like a completely different player. And I know for me personally and other people that were kind of skeptical on him last year, when you look at that tape and you can go find it on YouTube or you can go to FIBA's website and rewatch the whole games if you're into that. You can see, oh, this is a point forward. This is a super versatile defender who got on guards, who was able to guard centers at times, who went up against uh, Chimitze Metu from the... Sacramento Kings. Yeah, Chimizi Metu. He went up against Metu in the game against Nigeria in Uganda, excuse me. So you can see that film there where he's actually lined up with an actual NBA player and does fairly well against him. So those are the two that most people think have the most potential and put up in lottery range or mid first round range. The next five prospects on this list I like to call the end of round one crew because that's where they've been mocked most times. Everything outside of the lottery is where you will see these guys add a lot of argument of putting, especially the last four on this list of like, yeah, they have to be in round one. So starting off with Chris Murray, who's Keegan Murray's brother, forward out of Iowa. Marcus Sasser, guard out of Houston. Jaime Jaquez out of UCLA. Forward center, hybrid, funky defender guy. Deron Holmes, center out of Dayton. And then Julian Strother, wing out of Gonzaga. Chris Murray is the easiest one on this list to make a case for. He was a bench player mainly this past season, but he's Keegan Murray's twin brother, six foot eight, two fifteen, same as his brother. And last season, he only scored nine point seven points per game, but shooting splits of. 54.7, 38.7, and then 64.5% from the free throw line. Got to get that up. But those are very incredibly efficient numbers. Currently, he's scoring 18 points per game, 80% from two-point range, 44.4% from three, and then perfect 100% from the line. Shooting four and a half threes per game so far. Yeah, again, it's easy. You got a six foot eight, two fifteen guy. Oh, and by the way, good defender, really locked in. Probably doesn't have the on-ball creation that his brother did. It just doesn't seem that way, but a great complimentary piece, a great complimentary starter, fifth guy. Hard to argue against the efficiency of Chris Murray at that size. Marcus Sasser is somebody that a lot of people are really, really high on, and it's easy to understand why, because this is another legit shooter, somebody that doesn't just have great percentages, but puts up a ton of shots from deep. He's only six foot one, 190 pounds, but over the past, well, last year he got hurt, so it's 12 games, but still put up a ton of threes. First two seasons at Houston, as a freshman, 162 total three-point attempts, as a sophomore, 233 attempts, and then last year got hurt, only played 12 games, 103 attempts. So every single year he's been there in the lineup, he's averaging over five attempts per game. Sophomore and junior seasons, over eight eight or more attempts per game. He was at 8.6 this last year. Right now he's at seven attempts per game. And this is somebody that shot 33.5% as a sophomore. Every single season after that has shot above it, currently at 35.7%. 
4%. And assist numbers continue to go up as a freshman, 52 assists, sophomore, 65. 31 in that 12 games, which put him at uh, 2.6 assists per game as a junior, which is an increase from his sophomore year. And we'll see if that continues to go up. Oh, by the way, great defender as well. Six foot one, one ninety, but a good point of attack point guard defender. Houston, Kelvin Sampson. Shout out Kelvin Sampson as well. Another one keeping res ball alive. For those of you that don't know, Coach Sampson is Lumbee from North Carolina. So shout out Coach Sampson. Love you. Keep it. Keep up the good work. And Marcus Sasser, definitely another one of the great players and shooters and defenders that's coming out of the University of Houston. After Sasser is Jaime Jaquez, only six foot six, two hundred and twenty pounds, yet is the center a lot of times for UCLA and does a fantastic job. Probably going to be power forward in the PJ Tucker mold. That's going to be the argument I think for anybody that's going to want to argue for Jaquez to be there. And last year, 27.6% from three, but the year before that, 39.4%. And then the free throw percentages were flip-flop as a sophomore, 65.5% from the free throw line. And then last year as a junior, 76.1%. So it's like, okay, are those things going to be both okay one season? Hopefully we can get that this season. But if you buy into Hawkes, number one, you buy into the toughness of being able to play down low at that size. You buy into his ability to rebound the ball, has been able to pull in 149 rebounds or more every single season at UCLA and is a pretty good passer to boot. Last season, 2.3 assists per game to just 1.4 turnovers. And every single season, he's done a good job of continuing to get better at being a passer. The assist numbers continue to grow. So if you want a great defender, hopefully the shot will work itself out. And as I guess I shouldn't just put 100% of his stock as a shooter, but I mean, in today's NBA, if you're going to be an undersized big man, that's what you're going to have to do unless you're incredibly explosive, like say a Robert Williams or somebody like that. Yeah, inside the two-point arc, this is the first year so far where he's under 52.2%. So that is the thing too. Hawkes has a lot of tricks and a lot of um, things in his bag that he can go to, whether it's off the post, whether it's attacking off the dribble, to keep him incredibly efficient efficient inside of that two-point arc. So right now he's at 47.4%. Hopefully he can keep that up this year and finish with every single year shooting 52.2% or better inside the two-point arc. Cannot say enough good things about Hawkes and just his ability to get in and do the dirty work on both ends of the court. The next guy after him, speaking of big men, is Deron Holmes the second. Dayton listed at 6'10", 220 pounds, traditional center that's probably going to be a knock on him for some teams. Definitely not for me. Fantastic movement, athletic center who can defend very, very well. A modern mobile switch type of defender who's continuing to get better. Was the first freshman at Dayton to start since day one since 2012, as I profiled last time with his teammate Mike Sharfjams. So definitely unprecedented territory for Deron Holmes. And I mean, really just came out of the gate swinging. 12.8 points per game last year, 6.1 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 2.3 blocks. Shot 66.2% from two-point range and then 58.6% from the free throw line. So there you see, again, traditional big men stuff. Kind of starting to creep in. 46 assists to 45 turnovers. 
but still the ability to pass where most big men you don't see that and the blocks 81 total blocks this past season we'll see him continue to get better there i believe with another season under coach anthony grant another fantastic underrated coach out there if i were an nba team like really kind of digging deep to to find another unheralded or under the radar coach that i know can coach in the nba i think anthony grant would be at the top of my list had some time in oklahoma city under billy donovan who i believe was also in florida with billy donovan so look out for anthony grant in that recruiting class deron holmes probably been his best one again the, stop going off on the anthony grant tangent real quick deron holmes there is a scouting video he breaks down his own film from sam vicini over the game theory podcast on youtube so definitely go check that out this is somebody who can get out and run in transition somebody who is athletic enough to guard maybe four or five positions there and be fine and fantastic so i know the whole thing is i we want our big men to stretch the floor and have something else but i definitely believe in deron holmes the way somebody believed in like christian coloco last year that type of defender where it's like yeah he's limited but you know what he's efficient and he is really getting after it on defense that other centers just can't keep up with him definitely believe in deron holmes and the final guy in this end of the round one crew is Julian Strother, six foot seven, two hundred and five pounds. I mean, the thing on him is just being a good shooter. Thirty-six point five percent on four point six attempts this past season at Gonzaga. He also shot sixty-five point nine percent from two-point range. Started thirty-two of thirty-one games. Helped them go into the tournament and make a deep run only 11.8 points per game but this is one of those guys that profiles as oh you know what he does seem another like another fifth starter somebody you can just plug and play day one you don't have to worry about developing too much of his role you already know what he's good at you hope he can develop some other secondary skills and oh by the way he doesn't waste two-point shots incredible balance too in terms of his offensive game he had 148 three-point attempts 123 two-point attempts and then 78 attempts from the free throw line and oh by the way pulled in 172 rebounds so can contribute in a bunch of different ways i'm not sure what kind of defender he will be especially at the wing position where there are a lot of athletic players there but if you're looking for somebody that you're like you know what i just need a, a fifth starter somebody i believe in to shoot and be a solid nba player yeah julian strother's definitely end of round one consideration and the final six out of this consensus top 13 that appear on just about everybody's big boards are starting off with a pair of teammates from UConn at University of Connecticut, Andre Jackson and Jordan Hawkins, both listed as guards. Jackson might be a forward or wing, depending on how you look at it. Then Stanford forward Harrison Ingram, followed by Caleb Love out of the University of North Carolina, guard prospect, combo guard. And then another guard prospect, this one out of TCU, Mike Miles. Finally, we end the consensus 13 here with Oscar Shibway, center out of Kentucky, the man possessed who plays just phenomenal energy, phenomenal effort level every single time. Andre Jackson, I really like a lot. If you want somebody who's a tall point guard or a point forward, then Jackson is your guy currently dealing with an injury, so hasn't played yet. But last season was able to shoot 45.9% from two-point range, 36.1% from three, 71.4% from the free throw line, and 3.1 assists to two turnovers per game. 
But you look at the numbers, only 6.8 points per game. He started 32 of 33 games, played in a lot, just didn't score a lot. So that's going to be the thing that people will want to see more. And his role wasn't really hammered down until later in the season where they're like, yeah, let's just make him the point guard since he is very good at making reads. 102 assists to 66 turnovers. That's a good uh, turnover to assist to turnover ratio, excuse me. But can he score? Can he do anything else? And the shooting numbers too, he only took 61 threes which is 1.8 per game and then free throws to 1.9 percent 1.9 attempts per game excuse me on that again but rebounding he pulled in 225 rebounds as somebody that can pass somebody that can rebound oh and by the way the best thing in his arsenal is he is a very good athlete reminds me a lot of Andre Iguodala especially that size six foot six 210 pounds and the ability to put the ball on deck pass get up and dunk and then you'll have to work on the jump shot somebody that i would definitely buy into at end of round one or even second round his teammate jordan hawkins i know is a favorite of many a draft expert out there including the draft deck guys including coach spins adam spinella who has a video on him you should definitely go check out also unfortunately dealing with an injury Currently right now, he came in the last game, only played nine minutes, so didn't score, really do anything. So hopefully both he and Jackson can get better soon. If you guys ever hear this, man, we're all rooting for you. Jordan Hawkins didn't play much last year either, listed at 6'5", 185 pounds, so more of a traditional shooting guard size. 37.9% from two-point range, it's not great. 33% from three, and then 82.1% from the free throw line, 5.8 points per game. Again, he only saw 14.7 minutes per game, 27 games he played in, but only four in which he started. Somebody that you see the athleticism also show up, and a lot of people really like his jump shot. Again, that's not enough minutes to really say like, oh yeah, this is great um, form. Like, do you really get in a rhythm during that time? So if you look at the 33.3% and, and you just kind of gawk at it or just kind of scoff at it, like, take it with a grain of salt. He's got to get in more of a rhythm. And the 82.1% from the free throw line is at least an indicator that, yeah, the jump shot mechanics up top are pretty good. Up next is Stanford forward Harrison Ingram. Versatile, versatile, versatile is the main thing. Six foot eight, 230 pounds. This past season at Stanford pulled in 214 rebounds. Had 97 assists to 72 turnovers, grabbed 30 steals, and was able to score 337 points, which is 10.5 per game. And the main thing is athleticism, not a very explosive player, not the best jump shot, only shot 31.3% from three. But you got to factor in at Stanford. They don't have many players there. Harrison Ingham's having to carry a heavy load, but is able to do a bunch of different things on offense and do some things on defense to cover up for the lack of spacing and cover up for the lack of explosiveness and the lack of passing. I believe he was third on that team in terms of assists. He might have even led them. Uh, he was second on that team in terms of assists. Michael O'Connell had 111. Harrison Inger had 97. So this is a forward, mainly playing power forward, who had to be a secondary playmaker, had to handle all these rebound responsibilities. And, oh, by the way, you also have to be one of our main floor spacers as he took the second most three-point attempts on that team as well and got to the line the second most amount of times on the team and was the second leading scorer behind Spencer Jones. So it does have a lot of versatility. 
what exactly is he though that's going to be the thing now is he a shooter is he a passer can he defend much and that power forward spot or at the small forward spot just a lot of questions around Harrison Ingram even though there is a lot of things he can do in his profile it's bombs away with our next two players on this list. Caleb Love, six foot four, 195 pound guard out of the University of North Carolina, and then Mike Miles, six foot one, 195 pounds out of TCU. Both very much cut from the same cloth of. I don't want to call it irrational confidence because most of them go in, and especially for Caleb Love, yes, the percentages are not going to be great. I'm going to give you here in a minute, but I mean, they got to this uh, final this past season in NCAA season, almost won the title. It's working, but very inefficient players, especially for Caleb Love, who's never posted a season where his total field goal percentage is above 38%. That's a big issue. Struggles inside the two-point arc both seasons, his freshman and his sophomore year at North Carolina, posted under 38.1% from the two-point arc. Freshman year, 26.6% from three. That freshman year really was a big struggle. For Caleb Love, a lot of people had him profiled as like a late first-rounder, maybe even mid-first-rounder, but nothing really went right. Comes back to North Carolina, second year scores 15.9 points per game, dishes out 3.6 assists, cuts down on his turnovers, shoots 86.3% from the free throw line, and then 36% from three, so definitely was a consistent floor spacer. Consistency is just the thing with Caleb Love. Can he be more than a chucker? Is he going to be able to defend point guards? Six foot four, 195, really can't scale up anywhere else. Is he more than just a volume scorer? Mike Miles, a little bit of the, the same thing, only Mike Miles is younger, I believe. He is a 20-year-old junior, went in the TCU a little bit earlier than most. Definitely much more efficient than Caleb Love with shooting splits normally of around 44, 42, and then 36% from three his freshman year. 29.5% from three this past year at TCU. That was disappointing. Dropped his overall field goal percentage to 38.2%. So it really suffered there. Had to take a, tush, a ton of tough threes, so it dragged it down. But his free throw percentage has been 82.7% as a freshman, 75.9% as a sophomore. So there are, again, indicators. If you are somebody that believes free throw percentage says something about the jump shot, then you have that there to go along with. And the two-point percentage, too, yes, take a lot of floaters, a lot of pull-up uh, in the two-point arc, had to do a ton of scoring. Is not the biggest guy at 6'1", 195 pounds. That's going to be a knock on him. But so far as seen, he's not going to let that limit him and is able to lead his team TCU every single year. Assist numbers continue to go up 78 as a freshman, 118 as a sophomore. Hopefully that trend continues, but 6'1", 195 pounds, this up and down shooting struggles. Defense is going to be a big thing. Who can he defend? Is he going to be a point of attack defender? Is he going to be a liability? And also, again, is he going to be more than just a volume scorer? And is that three-point percentage going to be able to stabilize this year? If he can't shoot threes at that size, it's going to be tough. But a lot of people like him. I'm pretty sure Mavs draft has always been on that bandwagon, driving the Mike Miles hype train. So, yeah, he has quite a few fans. And the final guy on the consensus 13 is University of Kentucky center Oscar Shibwe. 
Oscar Shibe was last season's AP Player of the Year. Consensus All-American won the Naismith Award, was SEC Player of the Year, was All-SEC, SEC All-Defense, every single award definitely worthy of it. This guy just plays like his life depends on getting points and rebounds. 17.4 points per game this past season. 15.2 rebounds per game. Yes, that is not an exaggeration. 15.2 rebounds per game. That stat is ridiculous. 9.9 defensive rebounds per game. 5.3 offensive boards per game. That's super high. You normally don't see somebody crash the glass the way that Shibway does. Total rebounding percentage of 27.2%. Defensive rebounding percentage of 34.6, offensive of 19.5% per game. Rebounding is the number one thing, absolutely. You cannot deny this man. He is just after it, always focused, always intense, ready to get after it no matter what is thrown out there. Athletically, laterally, it's going to be a question mark. Can he defend in space? Is he going to be able to protect the rim as good as anybody that's taller than him? Six foot nine, 260 pounds. I don't want to call him not explosive, but 1.6 blocks per game, 55 total blocks this past season. It doesn't seem to be a great leaper in six foot nine, 260 pounds. That's considered undersized in the NBA. Again, the block numbers, they don't always tell if you're a great defender or not, but you would like to see him block a lot of shots the way that he's able to pull in rebounds. The rebounding is incredible, legit, but it's more positional. It's more strength and being able to get there before somebody else and anybody else there and just having that desire to do it not necessarily being able to leap up there and get up the way you do for blocking shots so that's going to be the thing with oscar shibley is is he going to be able to be a defender that can defend in space or at least be a good rim deterrent so that is the consensus 13 it's the 13 names for the top ncaa returners that are on most people's big board i said i was going to keep this around 30 minutes so i'm going to break this up into two podcasts yeah so much for listening to this consensus 13 the next episode which will come out very soon after this one i'll look into the final 12 that are a mixture of guys i like a lot and other ones that i definitely been recommended by listening to other podcasts and reading other work and seeing and saying yeah for sure they should be worthy of at least second round consideration so yeah so much for listening to us stay tuned for part two where we will also discuss whether or not there is a first rounder amongst these players and why i'm putting that subtitle on this list of ncaa returners until next time hagone